What's going on, everybody? RJ Ochoa here from SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. Hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and that you're ready for the Bowl of Super. That's right, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 56 taking place on Sunday afternoon at SoFi Stadium. The Los Angeles Rams, not the Dallas Cowboys, and the Cincinnati Bengals will be squaring off. We have some thoughts on who we want to see win it, but we have some thoughts. A lot of things. It is Tuesday evening, and as we are every single Tuesday, we are live on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel for a B. TB Roundtable. Please do subscribe to the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. You get access to these and all of our wonderful videos. You can also listen to this show on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. Search for us wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. Those things help us out so, so much. We have a full house today. Uh, and actually, we're still missing one person. Mark Lane is on the way. Spoiler alert there. Uh, let's go ahead and get the party started. I can't really go in clockwise order, so I'll just go in the order uh, that makes the most sense. Up top at 12 o'clock, it is Anthony Catalina. You hear him on First and 10 on the Blog of the Boys podcast network. You hear and see all these guys all throughout the Blog of the Boys podcast and website universe. Aiden Davis in the 3 o'clock position. You can also hear him on First and 10 chopping it up with Tony Catalina. Down at 6 o'clock, you can actually see from Chop Sports, it is Dave Sturcho. He is the third leg to the tripod on First and 10. Over on the left, right at 9 p.m., which is when the party really gets going at his house, it is Tom Ryle, the legend, uh, of course, the OG from Blogging the Boys. Here in the center of everything, the center of all of our universes, it is Los Angeles Lakers fan extraordinaire Dan Phantom. Dan, actually, I merged his student name, Dan Rogers, Danny Phantom. Uh, Dan, that's on me, but uh, I blame the Lakers because uh, they play in that crypto place now, which is stupid. Uh, and over at 3 o'clock, the newest member of the Blog and the Boys cast, one of our new writers at blogandtheboys.com, uh, one of our new voices on the Blog and the Boys podcast. Now, you can hear him with our tardy guest tonight, Mark Lane, starting next Monday on a show that is still TBD as far as the name is concerned. It is Sean Martin. Sean and I go way back uh, to our days blogging at Inside the Star together. Sean, I'll kick it to you first. Welcome to the roundtable, and it's good to see you. Hey, it's so great to be here, guys. Yeah, we do go way back, OJ. It's been a pleasure always working with you, and yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun to be a part of this. I'm so glad to be here. Sturch, are you threatened now that we have somebody else uh, from the Jersey Shore uh, throughout the Blog and the Boys universe? Well, no, I'm the only one from the Shore. Yeah, he's the only one from Ooh. the Shore, and that's unfortunate for him. So That's I mean, the that's only part, like, New that's Jersey only of, exists for the Jersey Shore. There's no other part of New Jersey that I acknowledge, just to be fair. That's not well, a That's, that's not a kind of how it goes here in Austin, Texas as well, so yeah. <laughs> That's not a badge of um, honor to be from the shore, by the way. <laughs> just so you know, wow. it's not like a, it is um, like two months out of a year in the rest. Yeah, that's like, it, yeah, man. People like, dead. People uh, Mitchell Green, thank you for joining us. Says, what's going on, fellas on YouTube? What's going on, Mitchell? Hope all is well with you. Dan, what's going on with you? Dan Rogers, Danny Phantom. Apologies for a moment ago. Um, you know, I'm getting really excited about the Super Bowl. Um, I actually took the last one off. I uh, didn't watch that one. Um, I was working and, you know, with everything going on with COVID, but I'm excited about actually being able to get together with some, some friends and, and watch a, what, a game that I expect to be really exciting. We do have um, a, a guide. I, I don't know. How would you term it, Dan? I don't want to speak for you. Actually, let's go ahead and get it up here on the screen now before we get the party started. Dan, uh, go ahead and explain this in case anybody wants to take a screenshot. You did tweet this out at DannyPhantom24 if anybody wants to have access to it. Uh, just go ahead and explain what we're looking at, please, Dan. Yeah, so this is my Super Bowl challenge sheet. You know, it's something I've been doing for actually, I think this was year 26, to be honest. Uh, it, the first one was the first year the Cowboys weren't in the Super Bowl, so it was 96. Wow, so so cut it out, Dan. Holy crap. Jeez, yeah. so we found the... 
You know, I thought about it. I thought it, I thought it might be like some sort of curse, but you know, that happens before I put this out. So I can't really be blamed for that. But nonetheless, I did this uh, so me and my friends could have something to to be excited about the game because I don't know how your friends are, but you know, we like to just you know bet on everything. So we found a way to make it fun, and over the years, it's uh, transformed into what you're seeing now. Um, you know, it's got it's most of the stuff is about football, but some of the stuff is not. Uh, so it's a really good um, game to play if you have a bunch of people showing up that you know maybe not everybody's there for the football. So uh, it always is a crowd pleaser at our Super Bowl party, and you know over the years, you know I, I've sent it out, you know, you know different parts of the world, and uh, people who watch the Super Bowl, you know, love playing this game. So I mean, I just like to make this available for. For anybody who is is doing that so very cool dan very cool indeed uh like i said you can check out dan's twitter at danny phantom 24 if you want the exact file um dan if you want to you know like leave your personal address after the show people can just show up at your doorstep uh for a printed out copy as well uh fellas we do have the final member of tonight's roundtable he did make it did survive the internet gremlins mark lane welcome Yay. to the blog and the boys roundtable mark lane people can uh now read him at blog as well starting this week uh and starting next week along with sean hear him on the blog and the boys podcast network mark the whole world can hear you uh what would you like to say to them it's good to be on. I think that the uh, Super Bowl game, that it, that is a great way to integrate people who have to go to the Super Bowl party and they couldn't tell you who Bill Belichick is um, with diehard fans of the game like we all are. I think that that's ingenious. Uh, wow, Dan, big compliment for you. Dan, by the way, you have the most relaxed positioning of all of us. You seem like you're kind of sitting back and chum. Like, I feel like you, um, I don't know, you need like a cocktail in your hand or something. You, you know, like uh, Tom is I, at attention. I'm trying to keep my chair from squeaking. So that's the uh, position I'm in. Okay, good job. Good job. Uh, Tom, let's go ahead and get the party started. Uh, we have something, uh, a subject that is a bit divisive among Cowboys fans right now. Uh, so naturally, we figure let's get a bunch of people in the same room and, and talk it out and argue about it. Um, Aiden, I know you wrote something about this at blogoftheboys.com. You, Sturge, and Tony also talked about it on Monday on First and Ten on the podcast network. So, Tom, I put it to you, and if anybody has any thoughts that they want to say about how wrong or right Tom is, uh, raise your hand. We'll get to you soon enough. Tom, should the Dallas Cowboys consider moving on from Amari Cooper and or Demarcus Lawrence? Uh, well, I don't know quite how family friendly I need to keep this, so I'll just say, oh, heck no. Mm, uh, not passionate I do not see any way that that helps the team in any shape, form, or fashion. It saves there's, money, Tom. There's a pie. There's only so much of the pie that can go around. So how, you're not interested in, in helping the team in that way? Everybody's got to, you know, got to do their part here. I believe I have expressed my uh, thoughts and on the blog recently about Stephen Jones and his cap space propaganda nonsense. I, I just do not. You want to build a team. You want to have a winning team with the best players you can have. I, right now, Demarcus Lawrence and Amari Cooper are definitely in the top 10 as far as value per player on the Dallas Cowboys roster. How moving on from them helps this team become a winner and, and and not just a big profit center for the Jones family escapes me. Uh, Sturge, I just don't should, want to see that. should the Cowboys consider moving on from one of them 
or both of them? I mean, do you agree with Tom? Is this a worthy question? I mean, save there are savings to be had. To, you know, if you're going to look under every rock, should you look under this rock? Uh, no, um, I, I don't think so. I mean, I talked to these guys on Monday about this uh, on the first and ten podcast. I don't think either of those guys are expendable at this point. I understand the money situation is the money situation, and we're kind of down S Creek right now when it comes to uh, you know our our spending. Uh, we're kind of focused more on bringing back the guys. These guys are already on our roster. So if we're already, you know, if they want to restructure, go for it. You know, I mean, that'd be great. That would be, that would help the team tremendously. Um, but I don't foresee uh, the Cowboys moving on from either of these guys. I know that I think the out is easier on Amari Cooper. But again, I was talking to these guys the other day and I said, well, if that's the case, I mean, you know, you got Michael Gallup literally just going through surgery now. So like they're saying that he'll be ready for the, for the season, but, do you really want to go into a season with just C.D. Lamb and, like, maybe Cedric Wilson? I mean, he's a free agent, too. So, Cooper's on there. He's under contract. Don't mess around with it. Mark, Casey Hammond says on the YouTube stream, Cooper is available in my book for the right offer. Can't argue that he's a healthy chunk of our current cap space. We also have depth at the position. Please bring Gallup and Wilson back. Decisions the Cowboys have yet to make. By the way, uh, for everyone listening or watching, Michael Gallup will be on the Blog on the Voice podcast. Now you can hear him on Thursday. Um, so, Mark, that being said, should Amari Cooper be available for the right price? If so, what is that price? I mean, or or should we, again, I don't know that I don't want to put words in Tom or Sturch's mouth, but it should be a, absolutely not. I'm not entertaining any single offer because, again, at the moment, neither Michael Gallup nor Cedric Wilson are under contract, and CeeDee Lamb wasn't exactly promising in his second season. I thought that maybe Michael Gallup would have shown a little more, and, you know, he got robbed in terms of availability this year. But... Going back to June, I thought that this season would reveal whether or not they would keep extend Michael Gallup and then in the offseason get rid of Amari Cooper because which one's younger? Which one has more potential? Well, it was Michael Gallup, and then he tore his ACL, and now they're going to have to deal with that, and they're in this particular thing. But no one's really talked too much about tank lawrence i don't know that you can get rid of him because they talked about how he was the identity dan quinn talked about how he was the identity of the defense and how great it was to get him back and i feel like they need to keep him as well because he means so much to that defense even though michael parsons is taking on a larger role in the identity tank still brings that attitude so, I, and I know it is probably, I mean, if Dallas had $53 million in cap space, if Dallas had an Olympic-sized swimming pool filled with gold in cap space, Stephen Jones would be still saying, well, you know, at the end of the day, we like our guys and there's a hard cap. So, I, I get it. And that, uh, and, but that goes to the strategy of Dallas is, it's been building through the draft, but I think these are key free agents that you got to keep around for the next couple of years. I think that's well said, Dan, uh, Mark hit on a great point. And, and Mark, you didn't use the, the money term that Jerry has used, but 
you know, Demarcus Lawrence is, is the war daddy that, that they have coveted. I mean, Demarcus Ware is going into the Hall of Fame in all likelihood on Thursday night. And Demarcus Ware or Demarcus Lawrence, excuse me, was the final answer, you know, in the wake of, of Ware's departure. Um, Jeremy Johnson says in our comment section, I'm not down for letting them go, but you need to restructure. D-Law is going to be making $27 million. That's just too high a number. Do you agree with that, Dan, relative to Lawrence's production? Uh. Do I agree with uh, restructuring or or do I agree with letting do you agree go? with the premise that that Demarcus Lawrence's deal has to be restructured that, that at the bare minimum that has to happen that he cannot play in 2022 on his current deal no I don't um wow look at this guy I, I mean, there's, there's a lot there's, there's a lot of ways the Cowboys can find money um I, the thing about anytime you restructure, you know, you know how it works. You're pushing the money on it. And you have to start to look at with Lawrence's contract or how committed are you with him? You know, and Amari is younger than, than sometimes we, we forget you know, how young Amari is, but are we just going to let Lawrence play out his contract? What's the future with Lawrence? I'm a little reluctant about trying to restructure contracts of that nature, I think there's other ways to find money. Um, I'm not even at all considering not playing with those guys. I mean, those guys are really great players at two of the money five positions. You don't you don't mm-hmm. give those players up. I mean, what are you going to use that money for to find? You'll be looking for the, those kind of players again. So it's it's silly to me to entertain uh, even doing that. But um, I think there's a lot of ways the Cowboys can can find money. I'm not I'm not sure I would mess with with Tank's contract. I mean. I don't know. Aiden, um, you have fought the good fight in the name of Demarcus Lawrence, as, as many people around here have. Um, Tom is the only person who doesn't believe in Demarcus Lawrence, just for the record, so everyone can you know fully know, uh, let, let the record show. Uh, Samuel Rowe, Aiden, on our comment section, says that Lawrence isn't a war daddy anymore, more like a war son. Do you oh, agree with the premise burn. that... <laughs> the, the premise that Demarcus Lawrence has regressed... Um, and, and is no longer a point of authority on the Cowboys defense. Um, I'm not going to comment on the distinction between a daddy or a son here, but I, <laughs> wow. That is the way that families are structured just to be clear. I mean, you know, in a genealogical sense, I mean, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I do understand. Is that a word? Genealogical? Argu- I feel like it is, but go ahead. I think so. I, I, I understand the argument that. Micah Parsons is the new hotness. You want to get him more involved. You want to give him the identity. And that's not to say he can't rise up and do that. And maybe maybe Demarcus Lawrence takes a secondary role and lets Micah take over the mantle. But my biggest argument for keeping Lawrence is we just came out of a game where the 49ers ran all over us. And really, it was an issue all year where if the Cowboys weren't playing with the lead, then the other team was able to run and it at times it got a little bad and now you want to get rid of our best run stopping defender maybe outside of Micah Parsons I made this point on first and 10 as well I just I don't understand wanting to get rid of your best run defender and not only that he is hyper productive in the pass rush I know everybody points to the sack numbers as proof look he's not doing anything in the pass rush no he's getting to the quarterback a lot the only issue is he I mean he's not bringing him the ground but you have Micah, Randy Gregory, and the entire defensive interior to finish the job off. So, I, th- in my opinion, he was 
I think he's the second best player on the defense, and I am fully aware I'm saying that with Trayvon Diggs on the team, I I don't understand getting rid of him. So Casey brings up a good question that we're going to get to, and I'm about to put uh, the responsibility for answering the tough questions on Tony and Sean. Um, which of you wants the harder question? Give it to the new All right, guy. Tony. Uh, <laughs> well, Sean gets the harder question. Good point. Uh, so, uh, and yeah. everyone can participate along with both of these questions. Tony, uh, you get it first. If um, The question is, if you have to release one, who are you choosing? Amari Cooper or Demarcus Lawrence? Anybody who's with us, obviously. If you're watching, we can't see you, but if you want to participate in spirit, you can. Your right hand represents Demarcus Lawrence. Your left, or, or Amari Cooper, excuse me. Your left hand represents Demarcus Lawrence. So you have to release one if you have to. Right hand is Amari Cooper. That's your vote. Left hand is Demarcus Lawrence. Put your hands up, but Tony, you speak. Go ahead. For me, you guys put it, your hands up. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's, um, it's Amari Cooper just because I value what DeMarcus Lawrence brings to this team and kind of talking about what Aiden said, it's, um, you know, it's, it's the intangibles with DeMarcus Lawrence. You cowards it's, all it's, put it's, your hands down, by the way. We need to see them for context for Tony's point. Let's keep going, yeah. Tony. Sorry. So I'm trying, it, to, trying mean, to set the stage for you. I think that, you know, if you're looking at the draft, I think there are some receivers that the Cowboys could have. It's just, it would just become a pressing need at this point, right? You got to see where Michael Gallup is in his development, see if you can get Cedric Wilson back at a number that the Cowboys like, and then you're going to look at the draft. So, I mean, I, I, I value what Demarcus Lawrence brings in an effort standpoint. I understand um, the sack numbers aren't where people want it to be, but it's everything he does else that I'm a massive fan of his. Um for me, it'd be a tough pill to swallow to let go of either one, and I'm fully in the camp of I don't want either. But if you had, you put a, you know, you're making me choose like RJ is, I would rather lose Amari Cooper than Demarcus Lawrence at this time. To be clear for the podcast audience, Aiden, Sean, Mark, and Sturch all would rather release Demarcus Lawrence. That's correct. You're all of of the two options. Okay, uh, Dan and Tom would rather release Amari Cooper. Again, the premise here is you have to release one. So Sean. One of the new guys, Mark didn't get a hard question. You guys can put your hands down now. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but we will raise our hands again. Uh, this is third grade once once again. Uh, so, Sean, the tougher question in my estimation, maybe this is an easier question. Um, so it's it's kind of in the spirit of this. What, what makes this subject so interesting is that the the primary, you know, other options outside of Amari Cooper and Demarcus Lawrence are free agents for the Cowboys. You've got Michael Gallup or Randy Gregory. So, Sean, if you can only have one of these two combinations, if you can have Amari Cooper and Randy Gregory, that's your right hand, everybody. You're voting for one of these now for to keep on the Cowboys or the combination of Demarcus Lawrence and Michael Gallup. That is your left hand. You're voting for the one you want to see on the team. Sean, which combination would you rather have? I actually don't make it that close, hands, at least in my estimation. It's not a complicated give me, game. Go ahead, give me Amari and Randy Gregory for yeah for my vote here. Um, you know, I think... Gregory is a guy that if you're going to move on from DeMarcus Lawrence, you can pair with Mika Parsons, and then you have that pass rush that everybody's looking for and people don't think that you're getting from DeMarcus Lawrence. You might have that if you're able to commit Parsons to more of a pass rush role and have Gregory back. And Amari just means too much to this wide receiver room. You know, we've done the whole let's have Dak Prescott elevate a bunch of no-name receivers before. Nobody wants to go back there. It would be way too painful just to watch, you know, what this offense has built trying to do that again. So you need Amari Cooper out there. And uh, I think you need Randy Gregory as well. And so if that means you don't have Michael Gallup or Demarcus Lawrence, and you know, so be it, I guess. 
I don't think this is shocking based on the previous question. Uh, Tony, Aiden, Sean, Mark, Sturch, all on the same page. I'd rather have the combination of Amari Cooper and Randy Gregory. Tom and Dan made the incorrect choice and went with Demarcus Lawrence and Michael Gallup. Uh, Mark, you and Sean will be podcasting together starting next week on the Blog of the Boys Podcast Network. Do you want to expand on his thought? Do you want to speak for your co-host um, on this idea? Oh, hey, Sean. Good to see you. What's going on, man? Good to see you. Um, the reason why is I saw what happened with the combo of Amari Cooper and Randy Gregory this season. We got to see what that looked like. We also got to see what the combo of Lawrence and Gallup looked like this year. They were on injured reserve. So that's why I would go with Amari Cooper and Randy Gregory. But look, if Dallas get doesn't let's say they don't sign Randy Gregory and they let Tank go as a cap casualty. They better bolster the pass rush and not think they're just going to have Micah Parsons rush the passer, and that solves it. Hopefully they address it in the draft with some complimentary pass rushing guys or sign some pass rush like they did with Robert Quinn in 2019 because they've they've got to be able to protect Micah so that he can get around and do everything. And I'm sorry to derail into Micah, but that that's why I would go with Cooper and Gregory's because I saw what they did as a combo this year. They won games. The, the other combo, they were unfortunately injured as likable well as said, they Mark. are. And, and to your point, we've all seen the Cowboys say, Oh, Micah Parsons exists. We don't have to give him any help. My, Micah will just be superstar Micah every single week. And, oh, and we can just Romo count on exists, but we don't need an offensive line. We don't that, need, you know, Mark, you know, I, we all I, have old I, scars. I hate that. You know, I hate that. Oh, there's a lot of people like build around Micah. What does that mean? Like, oh, so the other 10 guys could be like, okay, but as long as we got Micah, like that, 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 it's a team sport, man. You got to stop that. Not like, nonsense. wait, so to be clear, Sturch, you're agreeing with us, right? In yes, saying yes, that, yes, yes, yes. Like, yes. okay. Because yes. you said you hate that. Those are your first words. So like, well, you know, no, I just, I, I actually jumped to the offense. Reading. I hate reading that whole. You like, messed oh, up. It's okay, Stretch. It's all good. Back. You know, we're, we're all we're all here. Um, yeah, I've been, been watching some of these linebackers in this draft, and I hate that I have to kind of keep in the back of my head, like, can this guy be Mika? Because Mike is going might have to go to defensive end if we lose tank. So I'm like watching all these linebackers, thinking like oh, he might have to do all the linebacker things that Parsons was just doing. Because I'm not going to have linebacker Mika Parsons anymore. I might need defensive um, end Mika Parsons. So again. You know, most of us are correct here. Um, Tom and Dan, I mean, there was a line in the sand. You guys chose poorly. Um, do, do either one of you want to speak on behalf of your team here um, as to why you yeah. voted the way you did? Oh, excuse this, me. This Tom, all right. Sorry. My bad. Yeah. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah. This was a very – it was a very close call. I mean, it's neither – I want them to keep both, obviously, but – it really comes down to the fact that I trust the Cowboys a bit better to find a good wide receiver in the draft than a good defensive end. And that's basically what I look at. Let's go with a solid, proven quality defensive end and hopefully be able to get another uh, wide receiver to come in to go with Gallup and CD. But I want to see I want to see Cooper and Lawrence both on the team. That, that, that's my bottom. Yeah, well, you know, Tom, we all want to have our cake question. and eat it too. I mean, you know, yeah. Duh. I mean, no, not this again, OG. I, yeah, Tom, uh, Sean and I go way back. I hate that expression. I don't know if I've ever told anybody else that. That was like an all out war in the old Inside the Star 
Discord, I really hate that expression. Um, so, uh, Dan, do you want to add to Tom's point, or are you comfortable well, with how, how how poorly he painted the picture for you guys? No, he, Tom did a great job. Don't listen to him. Um, honestly, I agree. It is close. It's hard. Those are, and it's it's terrible that you're even doing this to us. But uh, <laughs> one one of the reasons for my choice is first off, Tank is going to be Tank. He doesn't rely on what Dak does or the decisions Dak makes or the decisions other. So I think he's going to be disruptive regardless. And I don't want a Cowboys team without DeMarcus Lawrence. To me, he is next to Parsons, you know, one of the most viable players on this team. Now with Cooper. Actually, Dan, sorry, I want to, I want to pause very quickly. Does anybody, I don't know if you agree, Dan, but does anybody think that DeMarcus Lawrence is the second best defensive player on the team? If you do raise your hand. Aiden, you, you think that Tom Sturge, uh, Tony, so Sean and Mark, new podcast. Maybe they're these guys are promoting it. Maybe they're playing chess while we're playing checkers here. Um, so they're better they, than Trevon Diggs. Yeah. So you're I, putting Diggs above Lawrence, Mark. Just to be clear. Yeah. Like so. Okay, Sean, who would you put if if, yeah, if Tank I, is I would, in your number I two? Lean, I would lean towards Diggs. I mean, I still want Demarcus Lawrence on this team. We all do, and we've made that clear. Right. Look, yeah. hey, we're, we're, these are hard questions, guys. Welcome. Yeah, you know, how BTB chops it up around here. I mean, so so you guys are placing in the overall hierarchy. You're putting Diggs over Lawrence. Okay, Dan. With that knowledge, go ahead and continue. Okay. So, and with Cooper. I think that the the Cowboys can supplement the passing game a little more because first off, you know we you talked we have Gallup in that scenario with Lawrence, but we still have Ceedee Lamb, you know, and we don't know what I mean. If 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 Dak's not going to be targeting Amari Cooper as much, then I mean if he's going to throw to Cedric Wilson and other players, I think that the Cowboys can still gain more. There's more room for them to gain more without Cooper in the sense of what they would be losing with Demarcus Lawrence. So that's. That's what pushes me over in that direction in that scenario. I will say, and you guys can nod if you agree, just to kind of build off that. I think Amari Cooper is more like, and you're right, Dan, there is a, a level of dependence where he's dependent on Dak, but I still think he's more valuable to, to the success of the offense than DeMarcus Lawrence's. And that's not to take away or mitigate DeMarcus Lawrence's impact, but we, we've all seen that how special Amari Cooper is, and really we've all seen how, how bad this offense is is even with Dak Prescott without Amari Cooper versus to Mark's point, we've seen this Cowboys defense have success without DeMarcus Lawrence. Those are some small sample sizes and I'm kind of cherry picking. Uh, but so I can understand the logic, you know, behind thinking that way, Tom, you had a point or are you just agreeing with me? Yeah, I had a, I had a point to add. I wonder since we've already mentioned Dan Quinn's comment about how important DeMarcus Lawrence is to the defense. And now we know that Kellen Moore is still going to be around along with the new uh, wide receivers coaches they're hiring off of the Texans staff. Do you think there may be a little bit more resistance to Stephen Jones's idea of moving on from the two of them from his uh, coaching staff? I'll throw that one to you, RJ. What do you think? Well, I don't understand the question. And now I'm actually being serious. Like, what, what is the question exactly? Okay. We now know that they've got Dan Quinn, definitely going to be with the right. team, and he's a big fan of DeMarcus Lawrence. Kellen Moore, uh, I don't know, but they've got the new wide receivers coaching coming in, and do you think that he might want to say, wait a minute, I want Amari Cooper to work with, and you um, might see the coaches go to bat for trying to keep both of them around? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I mean, if that happens, I think, I mean, to be blunt, I think the Cowboys care more about what Dan Quinn says than they do what Kellen Moore says. I mean, as, as much as, as they love Kellen, I think that they realize that Dan Quinn is, is far more um, equipped, far better at his job. I mean, you know, just to be literal about it, you know, uh, and Mark transcribed this. He did a great job when Jerry did his his hit on the fan and he talked about, well, I, you know, I purposely was coy about Mike McCarthy's job status because I didn't want to lose, you know, Dan Quinn. And although he still left Kellen Moore out, you know, to dry in that sense. And so, um, I mean, I, I think that Kellen Moore is just convenient for them. I don't think they really value him. Like, I, I don't think they would die on a hill for Kellen Moore, but they're, you know, they'll, they'll like samurai, you know, sabotage themselves in the name of Dan Quinn. Mark, you had a point. I actually found the Dan Quinn quote where he talked about Demarcus Lawrence. If you want me to read it. Of course you did, Mark. Go ahead. That's awesome. Okay. (laughs) All right. So this is from his availability on December the 20th. So it was this Monday after they beat up on the Giants. And he says, Dan Quinn, quote, so an identity, it doesn't happen overnight in terms of how a team wants to play. But I would say that D-Law Helps that identity a lot because of the violent nature that he plays with, the speed that he plays with. Certainly been good to have him back, that's for sure, unquote. Mm. Okay. So I'm I'm fine trusting Dan Quinn. I mean, I'd be bummed if they let Amari walk, but if, if Dan loves, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, so be it. You know, Tom, Dan, you can have your moment. I mean, Dan, you're named Dan. It's really unfair. Um, in this particular sense, but hey, it is what it is. Um, okay, so everybody ready to get pissed off because that's kind of the whole point of the roundtables is to encourage you all. Sure, to Super Bowl week, why not? <laughs> um, so Sturge, actually, I'll throw to you first. Um, actually, this is a question for the room. Um, hands up in the air, and I only ask for hands because it's the only way we can all like mass communicate. You know, it's it's not like a you know I'm a kindergarten teacher here thing. Uh, but hands up, who was? To any degree, bummed that Kellen Moore did not get the Miami Dolphins job. Anybody? Hands up in the air. And and again, one percent qualifies as bummed. So you know you can be honest with yourself. And and you know, so Sturch is bummed. Sean is bummed. Aiden is bummed. Um, nobody else is bummed. So Sturch, you have kind of been king of the anti-Kellen Moore uh, fan club. So what percent were you bummed? Oh, I was I was really bummed. I mean, I percentage wise, I would say like. 80 like i was up there um i just think that you know and, and i alluded to this a couple times either you know on round tables or our podcast i just don't think he knows how to use the tools that are in his toolbox you know what i mean like it, it's one thing for him to guys dan is busting these- out a piece of paper look he's he's coming for sean mark just so you're aware there are mvps handed out after every round table dan is playing like an mvp tonight just so we're all aware yeah Go dan's ahead. uh dan's the official woody page of the of the show today with all his uh his okay. markings back there uh but uh, i'm saying i'm bummed because of the way the dallas cowboys played with their full arsenal of players down the stretch you know what i mean I, i'm 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 bummed about the way they came out and played against the 49ers when it counted and so, so we all kind of understood that Kellen Moore coached himself out of a head coaching job down the stretch. So now why is it a good thing for us to take back the guy? It's almost as if like, well, 
you know, you tried. Come on back, Ellen. Like, you can do it. And, like, yes, part of me is like continuity. Great. You know, another year. Great. Uh, no, no changes in the verbiage. Great. But, you know, after watching the back half of last year, how, how can you be confident in this? So D block 88 says I was freaking bummed, uh, all caps, lots of exclamation points. So a real, uh, yeah. And then says, absolutely. With a hundred million to your point, Sturge, um, F kick crutch says very, very bummed. Moinka says preach Sturge. So, you know, look at you Sturge back in the running for MVP. Uh, D block 88 says does not know how to use the tools. Um, and, uh, F kick crutch says so happy to see his Madden playbook. Come back. (laughs) SMH. Um, Tony, uh, Aiden's about to really depress everybody here. Uh, but I'll just put the general question towards you. What do you make of Kellen Moore not getting a head coaching job for the second straight year? The second straight year he's interviewed. Um, so, like, whether you're bummed or not bummed, is it is it concerning that, that nobody's willing to hire him yet? I mean, if he really is this, you know, like, you look at, and I wrote about this um, for the site, Kellen fits the the mold. Dan Quinn does not fit the mold of, of what NFL teams are currently, you know, generally going after. You look at the Super Bowl, Sean McVay and Zach Taylor, both under the age of 40, uh, both offensive-minded coaches. You look at Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota, Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland, Arthur Smith in Atlanta. Um, I mean, I'm, I know I'm missing somebody, some, some you know, right-minded – oh, Mike McDaniel, of course, in Miami, of course, the, the, the coach that Miami chose over Kellen Moore. So Kellen fits that, Tony. He, he's literally exactly what, what, what is vogue right now. So are you worried that nobody has chosen him yet? Nobody's given him that rose. I'm not because I don't think, you know, I don't think he deserves it. I mean, I think the difference between Kellen Moore in the first half of the season and the second half of the season was night and day. And it's what have you done for me lately, NFL? And, you know, and that's how the league is. So, Um, but that doesn't concern you that that dude's coming back to coordinate this offense? It definitely, I mean, it definitely concerns me a bit. And that's why I was kind of little, I was indifferent when he, when he came back because I almost, I almost figured it was going to happen. I didn't think he was going to get picked. I think the Dolphins made the right choice by picking Mike McDaniels over him. And I kind of just resided to the fact that, okay, Kellen Moore is going to be back here. He didn't deserve to get a job this cycle. And, and you know, we'll get another crack at it. I mean, I do – I know – Sturge kind of mentioned it a little bit and said, you know, oh yeah, continuity, same verbiage. I, I put a little stock into that. I do, I do like the fact that, you know, this team is going to be able to stick in the same, you know, same program, the same offense coordinator, build on it with Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore. So I do like that. And I do have some hope that Kellen Moore didn't just, you know, his football IQ dropped off the face of the earth here. I do think that Kellen Moore is going to be able to to figure this thing out and look more so like he did pre-buy than post-buy but to say you know he didn't get another job for a second year he 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 deserved it that's kind of just how he coached in the second half of the season so anybody who started high school or college college a little bit looser here uh, some people take the victory lap but anybody who started high school generally uh when Kellamore took over as offensive coordinator the Dallas Cowboys will go through their entire high school career with that being the case Kellamore returning for his fourth year that was the the whole point of that fun little uh way of getting around that um Aiden can you explain what you worked up before we put it up here and you ruin everything please yeah so the big argument that we have for keeping Kellen Moore is the fact that we have continuity like Sturge talked about and the fact that this is his fourth year so he's gaining experience and more experience as an offensive coordinator presumably would be a good thing I wanted to look at is that the case does more experience with as being the offensive coordinator result in a general better offense and so that was the context behind what I looked into 
It is not the case. And hmm. It's essentially how I'd summarize this graph is you either die a hero, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. In that, if you're a good offensive coordinator... That was so you're deep, gonna... I can't believe that you said that. You're like 12 years old. I can't believe you made that point. Wow. No. I've seen Respect. the dark night. You're MVP. Dude, still, you had to have been like six years old when that movie came out. Like, wow. I mean, you're heavily in the running for MVP. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So, essentially, good offensive coordinators get hired. Bad offensive coordinators get fired. What a weird thing. There's not really this middle ground of offensive coordinators that we might think about. To put it into context, Kellen Moore is the he's – the, he's tied for third in terms of length of time as being an offensive coordinator. So he is the he in terms of offensive coordinator experience with one team right now. Kelmore is currently sitting at third, which is incredible. So looking at this, how do offensive coordinators perform in their fourth year compared to how they did in years one through three? What we found is that offensive coordinators really regress in year four because they just they can't at some point you just can't figure it out. Other people figure out your offense and it gets kind of bad. So out of the 15 offensive coordinators, and there's only been 15 people who have coached as an offensive coordinator with one team since 2008, of those 15 people, 10 of those offensive coordinators regressed in year four. And of those, and you could say 13 out of those 15 saw less than a one point per game improvement in year four. So, I mean, what we're seeing in general is offensive coordinator experience doesn't matter. You're not gaining anything by being longer in the NFL as an offensive coordinator. And so based off that argument alone is one we really shouldn't be using. With oh, Tillman. no. We so, suck again. <laughs> Dan, uh, Dan um, Aiden put it to me earlier in, in this way. Um, Aiden, I'm, I'm, you know, you got us on to third base. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive you home. All right. Um, you know, because I, I also I saw The Dark Knight Rises, not just The Dark Knight. You know, you don't just quit after the second movie. That's all I'm saying. Uh, anyway, I saw it, too. Um, uh, so there have again of the 15 coaches who have been offensive coordinators for the same team for at least four years Scott Linehan has also been one of them including Scott Linehan's reign with the Dallas Cowboys so the Cowboys have had this like unwillingness to depart from an offensive coordinator before he hits his fourth year in fact literally the last two offensive coordinators because Kellen immediately followed Scott Linehan have gotten at least four years with the Cowboys and we don't know what's going to happen obviously with Kellen here in 2022 but Scott Linehan regressed and the overall point the overall takeaway for anyone and the graph is great and we'll get it out on social uh if anybody wants to see a blog on the boys on Twitter and our Instagram and Facebook pages as well the general point is kind of what Aiden said if you're a good enough offensive coordinator you get poached before the fourth year you look at Kyle Shanahan all the you know, coaches that I mentioned, Mike McDaniel, Kevin O'Connell, Kevin Stefanski, Arthur Smith, all these dudes get the job before year four. There's there's really, correct me if I'm wrong, no example of somebody who was an offensive coordinator for at least this long that did wind up getting promoted because their offense continued to be great. If your offense is this great long enough, it's you're, you're the unicorn, and Kellen Moore is not the unicorn. So, Dan, you're the, oh, the The two exceptions, I'd say, is Josh McDaniel and – Kyle Shanahan right. both both had four years. However, I mean, Kyle Shanahan that was his offensive coordinator stint with the Commanders. Now, 
So that right. he was not amazing on the commanders. And, and then to, to that Daniels to that point, him. those are those are both sort of unicorn situations. And and again, Aiden's talking about Kyle Shanahan's stint in Washington when he worked for his father. So it's not like he was just a rogue offensive coordinator on a staff. He was working under his father, Mike Shanahan. And Josh McDaniels is the unicorn in a very before leaving, obviously this offseason for Las Vegas. Dan, we'll come to you, but Sturch is itching to get in here. Cool. So, sir, I was just going to ask you guys, <laughs> since Dan didn't answer, um, what about Eric Bieniemy? How long has he been with Kansas City? Yeah, he's also I, kind of a unicorn, I would say. Yeah, that's he. He just had his fourth year this year, so he's the one of the two people who have been with their that's team right. longer than right. All right. So, Dan, there is a thought, just like there was a thought. Kellen's just, Kellen's saving all the good plays for the playoffs. You, know, <laughs> you guys are freaking out, you know, about this second I half hate of that the season. You know, Ke- Kellen's just, he's saving them all. He's got them in a, in a special green notebook, like Henry Winkler in The Waterboy. You know, he's he's just saving them all. Um, and so there is this thought like, hey, it's, you know, he's going to continue to grow. You know, he, he's going to continue to get better. Like, he's, he's absolutely going to be better in, in the fourth year. He might not be. In fact, the overwhelming amount of evidence which would suggest that he's not going to be then. Yeah, but I don't think, I mean... The thing is, is Kellen is not an experienced coach in general. So, I mean, he he moved up to coordinator really fast. I mean, he had, what, one year as a quarterback coach? So I think there's a lot for Kellen still to learn. And I, the thing about it, and I, it's really confusing to me, and I don't, I don't really quite understand why people have turned so quickly with Kellen. Um, first off, it would worry me if he wasn't getting any – there was no interest in him, but there has been for two straight years – so, I mean, I'm not that that doesn't mean that he's not a good offensive coordinator. Maybe Kellen's not head coach material. Maybe there's something people see that they they don't want. So, that's a completely separate thing. But to suggest that maybe Kellen might have, you know, have peaked as an offensive coordinator, I don't I, I don't think so. I think that there's still a lot for us to that we need to see first. Let's remember that. I mean, and I hate to keep, you know, making this point, but the worm turned when when the calf got hurt you know i mean kellen moore wasn't figured out what is, is what is this I mean, expression is this like a like an old like a do people say this no no i'm the, not, I mean, the, the warm <laughs> turn yeah that people say that if that's what you're asking. i've never heard this before Maybe. oh well you don't have worms where you're at <laughs> i mean i just i don't know it's i i got worms i'll, I'll google it i'll i'll, I'll get the, the definition of the phrase go ahead Dan. yeah all right things changed with the calf. I mean, look, let's look at what he was doing early on and against like Belichick and the Patriots. I mean, let's not forget. He just tore that defense up. So I don't, I can't just buy that. We just put all this on Kellen Moore. I mean, there's, you have to factor in though, just the way that the line played and, and, and Prescott in particular with, with how he was having issues. I don't to, to, to say this is all Kellen Moore. People figured him out. I just, I think that's silly. I mean, give the kid a little, a little, more of a chance. I, I, honestly, I think we're going to come back here a year from now and people are going to be a head, Kellen head coach again, you know, and it, no one's going to be worried about it. It's just, it's too, it's recency bias at its finest what's going on. Mark, what percentage of blame you got a hundred percent to divvy out? How much are you putting on Kellen Moore for the struggles of the Cowboys offense? I blame Jerry Jones. <laughs> oh, I, I well, you know, I thought that's what we did. I mean, you, you you have 100% to, to divvy up, so you could you know you could put some at Jerry's feet if you want to, but I, I would uh, imagine I Kellen that, gets uh, a I can't give a percentage 
Um, but I will say that I think Kellen Moore's problem is that he doesn't know how to manage games. He only knows how to score points. That sounds like Buddy Ryan logic about Chris Carter when he was with the Eagles. But you notice that Kellen Moore is great at these innovative plays and these and these gadget plays and hooking laterals and so forth. But in terms of managing a game, I don't know that he can really put that together. And that's what we saw near the end of the season and going into the playoffs was, oh, well, you know, these bad teams are coming into town like Washington, you know, just put 56 on them. That's easy. But when you have to go up against a team where it's a 12-round fight like with San Francisco and in the playoffs and with the Cardinals in week 17, it just didn't seem that he was able to put it together and I think that's what's lacking in what he's been able to do is he can help generate points, but I don't think that he can, that he really, like Dan Quinn said, get out the ice bags. Um, that's what he said about the first Washington game in week 15. Sometimes I don't know that Kellen is up for the, no, he said that about Minnesota uh, for October the 31st, but I don't think Kellen knows how to, play in games where you have to get out the ice bags. Also, I don't know. You want to know why coaches in year four are bad? It's because that's when all of their material and everybody has so much film to look at that they can find their tendencies. I don't believe that coaches, I mean, offensive coordinators that get into year four, that, that that's just it and they're terrible and they're figured out and that's the end of it. If that were the case, did you know that Joe Philbin – when Green Bay won the Super Bowl year four, Pete Carmichael, uh, he has been the offensive coordinator of two number one defenses in 2014 and 2016. Well, after his fourth season as offensive coordinator. Um, and, and then there has not been a coach, an offensive coordinator from the number one offense hired as a head coach since uh, 2000 when actually Mike Martz, who was the number one uh, offensive coordinator, it was promoted. only because Dick Vermeil retired yeah. that right. he took over the Rams. Um, you can even go back to 98. Here's what I think happens is you, I think these guys also know they're about to get figured out and that their stock's going to go down. Take, for example, Dave Shula, who was the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys for 89 to 90. And Dallas just had an inconsistent offense. Of course, the surname comes with it. But nevertheless, he got out at Dallas and took over the Cincinnati Bengals in 91 because he was about to get figured out. And I think uh, you take Marty Morningwig. He also coached, uh, was the offensive coordinator under Steve Marinucci with the San Francisco 49ers, number one offense in 98. And he goes and immediately gets that job with the Detroit Lions in the 2001 season. So I think some of these guys, they if they don't get out quick enough, then they're going to get figured out. And that is probably one of the narratives that Cowboys Nation is going to have to work through in 2022 is, you know, leading headline, is Kellen Moore figured out? Well, in a way, yes, um, because he's put so much on tape. And so now he's got to try to figure out how to manage games. That is a plethora of knowledge. 
lot Tony, to take in. Um, Tony, what was who was the last concert you saw in person? Wow, uh, <laughs> I went to a Little Wayne and Drake concert. Little okay. Wayne, you're showing your yeah, privilege, Tony. Um, yeah. uh, anyway, it's my um, favorite of all time. So, uh, the last concert I saw in person was several years ago. My wife and I went and saw Bruno Mars. Um, I have always been amazed at how Bruno has been able to, like, you know, yield single after single, like, you know, you know, just over and over and over again. He's always got it. Like he's, he's seemingly never running out of singles and like chart toppers, whatever. Um, it kind of feels like that's what's happening to Kellen. And it kind of like Bruno can sing and dance and move. And you know what I mean? He could do a billion things all at once. It kind of feels like Kellen's just Kellen's like a country singer. He just wants to sit up there with a guitar and strum along and sing and do his, you know, number one offensive thing. And that's it. Like, do you, am I, am I off the deep end here? Or, or you just, you know, you think we're all ridiculous. I don't know who you're asking, but I guess you're also I'm asking not Tony. country music. <laughs> I'm asking I mean, Tony. I mean, Tony's Kellen, a big country guy. I'm not. But uh, Kellen, wow. <laughs> Kellen Moore, though, I mean, to kind of reel it back in, you know, I, I, I do take merit in what Dan says. You know, I, I understand the, you know, the analytics that, that Aiden brings into the fact that, you know, after four seasons, you know, the numbers are what they are. But I do believe that Kellen Moore, um, you know, if he's figured out, and I don't believe that to be the truth. I, I do think that he is going to be able to kind of get to the drawing board. I think it's going to take some self-reflection. And I, you know, I, I don't think we'll be having this conversation this time next year, right? Because one or two things are going to happen. He's going to figure it out or I don't think he's going to be here. And I and I think, so you think that's he's really fired the, before the season's over. Is that what you're saying? You think that's no, possible? no. I I think I think oh you think either, he's done after the season. I think I think if the offense sputters out the way it did at the second half of this season, and and honestly, if that's what the trend is, and that's what Kellen Moore ultimately is in this league, somebody that's been figured out, somebody who isn't able to game plan and manage, you know, manage the game per se, like Mark said. He it's going to be it's going to be over for him here in Dallas. And, you know, we won't be talking about head coaching jobs. It's going to be talking about maybe being a position coach and, and, see, and maybe being back in Boise. So it's um, I, I think this conversation is uh, this offseason only because he's either going to get this offense back to clicking or he won't be here. Sean, I wrote something recently um, over the weekend, actually, at the site about how I believe in any if anybody else agrees with me, you know, you would be smart. Um Mike McCarthy should call plays this season. And I, cause I wrote this before Kellen was, you know, not the new head coach, of the Miami Dolphins. My point was look, whether or not Kellen gets the job, Mike, cause this is, you know, we're over here like picking on Kellen more, but this is really about Mike McCarthy. This is his team. This is his season. This is his legacy, whatever you want to, you know, say, I believe that Mike McCarthy should say like, he loves, he loves to tell us, I know how to build a world championship team. I know how to do this. Like I've taken a team to the Super Bowl. I've won the Super Bowl. Okay. Then show us like, if, if you really know what you're doing, Mike, then take over, take the wheel and show little Kellen Moore that he has no clue how vast your offensive knowledge is Mike McCarthy. Like, and wouldn't, wouldn't he want to do that? Like was Frank Sinatra a Jersey guy? Am I, am I missing this up? I don't want to offend the Jersey dudes here, but assuming he was, I mean, shouldn't Mike McCarthy want to go out his way? Like Mike McCarthy or like, if you were Mike McCarthy, Sean, would you really entrust everything to fourth year Kellen Moore when your legacy's on the line? No, not at all. I mean, that feels like the type of aggressive Mike McCarthy move that, you know, the Cowboys final office is kind of waiting for, you know, they said, you know, it's going to be a lot of pressure on you now and show us what you can do. And like you said, he likes to take every chance he can get to, uh, to tell us that he's done it and he's won a Super Bowl. So yeah, Mike McCarthy, you know, you got this young coordinator. If he's holding you back, um, you know, time could be running pretty thin here. So he does need to show us what he can do when it comes to calling plays. 
Tom, should Mike McCarthy call plays? Or Mark, are you saying something? Be, I think it would be. Oh, go ahead, Mark. Sorry. Uh, it's worth noting that in the Super Bowl year, guess who was calling plays, even though I said Philbin was the coordinator? Mike McCarthy. So, he, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, he, he that's knows what, that to win a Super Bowl, he's got to call plays. Tom. Yeah, I think I really think he should have stepped in late this season uh, to see if he could come up with something. But I, I'm not sure that there weren't a whole lot of the factors going into it, though. You know, they had the, the offensive line problems in midseason. They were playing Ezekiel Elliott on a strained tendon, which or, or ligament, which I think, torn ligament rather, which I think goes to the fact that the front office meddles far too much of what the uh, coaching staff does. But I, you know, I think they need to be looking hard at having Mike McCarthy try play calling next season just to see if they can get things back on track. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, and as for Kellen Moore not being a head coach, I think he still just doesn't have enough experience, period. I think teams just looked at it and said, this guy is still too green myself. But um, I still I still think it's worth – they need to really – it really means how desperate they feel that they've got to get something working better. And I, I think McCarthy definitely should consider putting himself back in the heads up. That's – I mean, Sean said it. That's the dude the Cowboys hired. Is it not like that? the guy who's, who's going to wield his Super Bowl ring and tell everyone, I want it in your house, whatever. I, I'm the coach who beat you. You know, I, I challenged the desk catch. I, you know, accomplished third and 20. Like, if you want to be swinging that stick around McCarthy, then do it. You know, then, then to your point, Tom, then bench Zeke. You know, like, like where is that dude? I, I feel like, Sturge, that dude has been neutered. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw that right away, like when, you know, he, he came in here barking about analytics and all of a sudden they were like, oh, well, what about this? And we're like, well, I just needed to say that just so I get the job, right? Like, as much as it was joking, fun and all that stuff, McCarthy just became a Jerry guy quick, you know, and that's unfortunately the MO for non-successful uh, coaches in the Dallas Cowboys history. The only one I can say that really, you know, stood his ground and did what he wanted besides Jimmy was like Bill Parcells. Everybody else was a yes man, and I and I think that Mike McCarthy has definitely confided in that in that you know department. Mm. Yeah, it's, I was you, the uh, the other Josie guy here just stole my you know, exactly what I was going to say. But you know, we know that McCarthy is not afraid to just tell the Joneses you know what they want to hear. But to that same point, I think that what Jerry and Stephen you know are kind of willing to accept when it comes to what they're doing with uh, with Kellen Moore. It's kind of changed. You know, at first, McCarthy had to come in here when he interviewed and say that I'm excited to work with Cowan. I think it's going to be great because that's exactly what Jones has thought. But, you know, I think at this point, they're probably sitting there saying, you know, hey, maybe Cowan isn't going to be the guy. And I don't think they're ready to move on from him yet. They still want to see more and hopefully to give him some pieces to work with and a new wide receiver coach and, you know, get Tony Pollard more involved and all these things. But I do think their perspective has changed on just how much Cowan Moore has to be running this show. And, if it's not going to be more, then, yeah, it's time for McCarthy to be that next man up. Mark, you've transcribed a lot of what McCarthy has had to say since becoming the Cowboys head coach. He can be rather terse in the media. You know, he, he can be rather blunt. Would you say that we haven't really seen that disposition from his football team? What do you mean? I mean, like, he can be kind of arrogant. I mean, right? Like, you know, he, he can be kind of arrogant. I mean, and I feel like we haven't seen that 
call it swagger or intensity like th that that yeah well that... let, let me just take you down memory lane for a moment and go back to the 2008 season when Brian Stewart was in his second year as defensive coordinator for the Cowboys, even though Wade Phillips, this great 3-4 defensive coordinator, was the head coach, and Brian Stewart was still calling plays, and the defense just was sputtering as usual. With Wade Phillips' job on the line, he took over the play-calling duties ahead of their rematch against Washington in November when Romo returned with the broken um, metacarpal and the defense played well. The next season, Wade Phillips was a defensive coordinator again, and that defense shut out uh, Washington and Philadelphia. First time in team history, they had back-to-back -back shutouts in week 16 and 17. So if Wade Phillips even knew that he had to take over the play calling for survival, you would think that a Pittsburgher like Mike McCarthy would recognize that too. But, you know, he said coming in that he wanted to keep Kellen Moore and that he wanted to keep that relationship with Dak. Maybe he doesn't make that move why he hasn't taken over the play calling yet because he wonders if that'll affect if he won't have as good of a relationship with Dak you know, or, or if he'll fracture that dynamic in some way. Dan, um, to that, like, if we live in that hypothetical that Mark kind of crafted out, say we get through preseason training camp and it's still established, Kellen Moore's column plays, M McCarthy has, has answered a billion times, I don't want to mess with anything, I, I don't want to mess with the chemistry, like this, you know, it, and the other uh, week I went back and looked at what he told Peter King before he, when, when he re-entered the coaching cycle, and he said then, to his credit, that he believes whoever installs the offense needs to be the person calling the plays on Sunday. My point to that would be, hey, Mike, maybe install the offense, but uh, if, if we go through all of it and McCarthy says, you know what, I trust Kellen, whatever. Do you agree, Dan, that if we reached a point during the season where McCarthy said, I'm going to call plays starting now, that that would be that would be McCarthy's like Hail Mary at the very end. That would be McCarthy's really, truly sensing I need to make a move here because it's getting hot in here. Yeah, I would sense that. Um, I hope it doesn't come to that. I, I mean, I don't know if anybody's entertaining the idea of like what things could look like with McCarthy. Um, calm plays. I mean, he he's had chances to save jobs before, and he hasn't saved them. Uh, I honestly think that this is McCarthy's last year of, of being a coach. Uh, they'll pull out all the stops. If our offensive struggles, then maybe that's what happens. Maybe he's better. I don't think he is. I think it could be a disaster, to be honest. And then the worst thing that could have come out of it is there could be strife between he and Prescott. Because right now, he's just, he's just kind of letting Prescott be Prescott, and there's no coaching that's going on you know, from what I can see, if you take away Prescott's best friend, you know, and Kellen Moore and, and the development that they've had all, all this time, I mean, who knows what that could look like. It could just be, a, it could be terrible. So I don't know. I mean, that's just, you know, that the expression, be careful what you wish for. That's what comes to mind when I hear this all. Should McCarthy take over plays? Because I, I don't think that's going to be good for us at all. Tom. I, to me, the biggest disappointment about McCarthy is that I thought he had the stature to come in and stand up to Jerry Jones the way Bill Barcells did. And all of this, there's been a lot of times, you know, the the Elliott stuff and a lot of other things 
where you definitely sense that Jerry and Stephen Jones are leaning on McCarthy to do things a certain way, and he's caving into them. And I think you can see that in the Kellen Moore thing because there's a strong suspicion that Kellen Moore was kind of Jerry Jones's boy, and he wanted him to to be carried over. So, Tom, to your McCarthy just to add to your to point. Huh? But to add to your point, like Dan, you just said, and I think we all agree with you. Like, and Mark added to this point too. Like, maybe maybe McCarthy doesn't want to, you know, mess with the dynamic that Dak Prescott has with Kellen Moore. Maybe maybe McCarthy doesn't want to interrupt that relationship. Interrupt it, I mean, like you know, like like Dak yeah. Dak hasn't Dak hasn't played well enough to where he can now walk around and and decide everything he wants. He's he's kind of lost some of that currency. So you know what, McCarthy, you're the head coach. Who cares what Jerry thinks? Who cares what Steven thinks? Who cares what Dak thinks? Like if if your legacy is going to be impacted by what happens here, like why are you letting all these other people seemingly make all these important decisions for you? So like I would only I would add that to your point, Tom, that he's now call it being pushed around or being influenced by multiple people at different points of leadership within the team. Thank okay, you. you're great. Good, good job, good job Tom. Um, okay, Amen. let's wrap up um, with, an, with an easy one, a softball. Um, we'll start uh, at the bottom. Sturch, who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl and why? Jackpot Joey, man. Give me Joe Burrow all day long. Um, whenever the Cowboys team, aren't in the Super Bowl, That's which the way this works. I mean, Wait, what? What? You have to pick a team, not a person. Yeah, that's who you're rooting for. I mean, I, th- I think he plays for one of the two teams. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Sean, RJ. look, let's you know, one jersey got a time here. So, <laughs> in any event, I'm uh, I'm going to take the Bengals. Uh, I think it's the the more fun story, and it's also a story that a lot of these teams that are um, that are wanting to turn things around. This is like an example that hey, you know, with the right quarterback and the right coach and the right skill players. You can turn your entire franchise around in two years because that's exactly what they did. Um, I love the story with Matt Stafford. I think that's that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I'm taking Jackpot Joey and I'm taking the the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and I don't think it's going to be as close as everybody thinks. I think you know they, they might win by seven to ten. Okay, Mark. Yeah, yeah I'm going to take uh, I, I'm going to take Ron Torbert. And the referees. Uh, <laughs> yes. his, he's a lawyer. Well well he was played. on Ed Hockley's crew. Um, yeah, so I, I'm going with Ron Torbert and his all-star crew. No, <laughs> um, actually, but, and this is, I've picked whoever I've picked. They've lost. So I really want, I would like to see the Bengals win. Because I don't know if you're reverse psychology. Like, are you are you saying that to like to reverse jinx? Yeah. So I'm gonna root for the Rams. I want the Rams (laughs) to win. If the Bengals (laughs) win, I think that uh, a lot of good it's done. But again, it's another case of hey, um, teams are you know snapping these droughts. Rains are starting to fall. What's going on in that in the Metroplex, guys? That's gonna so happen. That, that's another reason, but I'm with I'm taking it. the Rams. Sean. Yeah, this Bengals team is so easy to root for. I'm with the Bengals. Uh, I went out here in Austin for the uh, championship round, and it seemed like everybody else around here was rooting hard for the Bengals. Uh, yeah, they root for those stupid well, teams so in Orange. They know what it's about. Uh, I won't be the only one around here uh, rooting for Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. Okay, Dan. Um, I'm, I'm going to be rooting for the team that is behind because I want to see a really good game. Uh, but in the end, 
I hope that the Bengals pull it out. And if for no other reason it, than to prevent Odell Beckham Jr. and Deshaun Jackson from getting the Super Bowl ring. I do think Deshaun would be entitled to one um, as, as a member of the Rams earlier this season. He By would, the way, Desha- so I don't want him to get one. By the way, Deshaun had one touchdown as a Las Vegas Raider, and of course it came against that's Dallas more than Cowboys. any of the Giants receivers had all season. So, yeah. I mean, you know, look, I'm just, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, wow. Um, okay. Dan's going petty. Respect. Tom. <laughs> I, I, I got going for the underdog. And quite frankly, uh, the Bengals have become the favorite in the country. So I, for that, but for other reasons, I'm pulling for the Rams. And the other big reason is that it just kind of proves my thesis about one player doesn't make a football team and a, a really good player can get drugged down by being on a bad team like Matt Stafford was with all those years with the Lions. He's done his penance. I want to see him and the Rams win this one. Wow, that's stupid. Anyway, Aiden. Well, we know where Aiden's going. I mean, it's the yeah, second Aiden, Aiden's <laughs> like got, you know, but whatever. Aiden, go ahead. Go ahead and do, do the chalk thing. Yeah, shocker, shocker. I'm going with the Rams. I will say two reasons outside of family alliances that I'm rooting for the Rams. Number one, Matt Stafford's a Dallas guy. I understand Cheeto actually played for the Cowboys, but it's a loose alliance. He grew up in Dallas, likely a Cowboys fan. Number two, I just know that if Tony Romo were in this situation, if after in 2017, if he had gone to a team in the AFC and just played we as would hard be dying inside, it, Aiden, don't we would <laughs> we would be dying inside. That, yeah. I mean, no, I would be no. And the Cowboys were out of it. I'd absolutely be rooting hard for Romo to win a ring. In in the hypothetical you just crafted, Dak Prescott is the least liked player in Dallas Cowboys franchise <laughs> history. Just so you know, I mean, no, so. no, because oh, you dude, can... heck yeah! If if Romo had gone to the Super Bowl right away and the Cowboys hadn't, no, it would have been no. like they made their own choice. Been tough, no, no, you have no, you have to put it in the situation. It would be like Romo going to the Patriots and just like having the entire team around him, which we have been calling for for years with Romo. We are calling, put a team around Romo, please. He goes to the team that has, he finally has a defense in the Patriots. I'd be rooting hard for Romo, saying, look what happens when he has a defense. That's what I'm saying. I'm rooting for the Rams regardless. It's not like you're going to convince me otherwise. You you lost me there. And uh, Tony Catalina. Uh, You know, it's the the Bengals are an easy team to root for. I think um, I like everything that Joe Burrow is doing. I'm I'm a big fan of Jamar Chase, especially when he said that he molded his game after Des Bryant. Um, You know, I think that's pretty cool. But, you know, for me, I think that's who I want to win, who I think is going to win is I think the LA Rams. I think their pass rush is going to be too much for that offensive line. And I think the magic for Joe Burrow to – to escape out the back door of the pocket is it's going to come to an end here, but the Bengals are a good story. Nonetheless, I think the Rams and Stafford get it done. You all missed the correct answer, by the way, the correct answer is the Bengals because if the Rams win, like so we've all seen how the NFL hypes up being in LA and Los Angeles and Hollywood and like, it will be obnoxious if the Rams win it in Los Angeles. And, um, also, and Mark can fact check me if he wants, but if the Rams win the Super Bowl in their stadium, they will have as many playoff wins in their building, which opened last year, as the Dallas Cowboys do in AT&T Stadium, which opened in 2009. Although, under all right, the banner all right, of the Cowboys all right, Stadium. All right, all right. But, come but on. I mean, on another note, if the Rams win, 
you know who they're going to have coming into their stadium for the opening game of the season. Um, I don't know. I, I buy that. I, mean, <laughs> I buy that. Two years. I don't know. They wouldn't have the Cowboys two years in a row. They they probably right. play. They probably play the Niners. I mean, they, you know what I mean, like a NFC Championship game rematch, like raise the banner, blah blah blah. You know, it's stupid. I mean, but, I was shocked uh, they actually put Dallas in week in game number one yep. because usually they save Dallas for the Sunday night if they put them in prime time in week one. So yeah, I and was, you, you don't and, have to burn and, the Cowboys on on the opener. Like everyone's gonna watch the opener no matter what. Like you don't, you know, if you were starving, you know, you you don't need filet mignon. You, know, you just need like hamburger crackers. By the way, Dallas, this is that they get a chance to play whoever wins the Super Bowl because they get the Bengals too. So mm. Mm. they'll oh, the, really mark, get to measure up next year. Mark I the think, Bengals down for Thanksgiving. No, you can mark, mark us here, mark. not uh, not not on Thanksgiving. By the way, you Thanksgiving uh, alternate uniforms should be back in the NFL this year. Washington's right. new uniform showed off the black helmets, um, so hopefully the Cowboys are able to wear those throwbacks on Thanksgiving. Who had those? Maybe who had the, who had those leaks? RJ, by any chance? <laughs> Search. You know, Chef, I've complimented Chef, you a ton. Um, you know. Uh, no, what I will say this: I will say I I I like it's a foregone conclusion what I know the Sunday night football opener week will be. It will be Mike McCarthy's return to Green Bay. That's – I Mm-mm. firmly – I am so – I'll die on that hill. That's going to happen. No way. They're it's not – that that, That's a Fox game, dude. Or you can find dude. out when Sweeps Week is, and yeah. then they put it during Sweeps Week. That, and then that Sweeps Week, that, that'll Fox. That'll be a big battle between NBC and Fox or, or mm-hmm. Amazon over they got, that. They got to do it before McCarthy gets fired, though. That's what I'm saying. Week one. How how poetic would it be? I mean, Wade Phillips' last game was against Mike McCarthy's Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. Um, how poetic would it be if Mike McCarthy's last game was at Lambeau Field? Yeah. Kellen uh, Moore is the interim talk like a week one? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, that would be like the Cowboys start off like one and five, and week six is the Green Bay game, and then we get I mean, the axe after that. It could happen. Like, that's that's around sweeps week, though. Like, and again, like, I'm with Mark. Like, that Cowboys Packers game, that's not Sunday Night Football. That's, you know, America's game of the week, 325 p.m. kick. Uh, Joe, Troy, assuming he's still with Fox, and Aaron Andrews. I mean, like, that's, by the way, Aaron Andrews will also join the Blog of the Voice podcast network this week as well. Uh, so, you know, that that's not going to Sunday Night Football. So, you know. Whatever. No, it'll be Joe and Sean Payton. <laughs> oh man, that'd be awesome if, <laughs> if Sean, Sean Payton, Payton called the, the, the game that Mike McCarthy got waxed. The last game for Mike McCarthy. Hammering Kellen uh, Moore every chance he gets. I could have done that. Oh my. God. All right, let's let's get out of here. Does anybody have anything else they have to say, or else they won't be able to sleep tonight? Anybody? The Sean Payton movie wasn't as bad as you might think. It, you're right. It was the absolute worst thing that I've ever <laughs> no, watched. In no, the don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It was horrible, but it was <laughs> just a smidge better than I expected. I and was. I am so sad for you that you spent time and watched that. Um, yeah, Sean man. Payton's in the movie. I got to see a future Cowboys coach. In of course he is. Hey, no, no spoilers. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Who is it? Uh, Tracy Bowl. Wolfson's in the movie. Like, there's some <laughs> real NFL tie-ins. You know, it's just uh wow. Um and, Aiden. and real quick, a quote from the movie. Sean Payton's son says, Sean, why don't you coach in Dallas? And he says, Dallas already has a coach. And that kind of made me giggle. So I thought y'all should know. 
Why didn't you tell us that a long time ago? I yelled at the TV. I yelled at the TV. (laughs) And and to tie it all together, what year did Sean get out of Dallas? 2006. He had completed his third year in Dallas. Look at that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Although (laughs) Maurice Carthon was the coordinator. Mo Carthon. Holy crap. But still, he got out of here after the third year. It was a different time. Heroes was on NBC. I mean, like, it was just a different time for the world. Uh, so, um, wow. Um, okay. Uh, well, Tom, get us out of here. Sign us off. Say something great. Tom, if you don't say something really great, we're all going to be upset. So go ahead. Make it good. No pressure. Uh, but it was been fun with my first night with the new Blogging the Boys Brady Bunch guys. Have a good one. That's the thing? That's really? <laughs> Tony, get us out of here, right, please. It's been 26 years of uh, sitting here bitterly on this weekend. Hopefully next year we don't have to feel it again. That's it. Wow. Have a good night, everybody.